Welcome to the Mill Housing Nation podcast, where we are having conversations that matter for wherever the military has taken you. We're bringing you stories from real military spouses who not only understand the challenges, they are harnessing the opportunities to build lives they can love. From new spouses to veteran spouses, you'll get tips, tricks, and actionable steps that will help you along your military life journey. Welcome everyone, this is Heather Campbell, and we are so thankful you have joined us on the Mill Housing Nation podcast, where we dive into the uniqueness of the military family journey by helping you build a life, a community, and a home you love when you are not in control of where you will call home next. Hello, everyone. Happy winter solstice. Happy holidays. Wherever you are in the world and whatever you celebrate during this winter season, this episode is going to be airing at the end of our calendar year, the end of December. And there is a lot to catch up on. And I'm not sure about you guys, but I feel like this time of year is really, really hectic. No matter how much you plan, kind of like being in the military, no matter how much you plan, it still ends up being quite chaotic. So today we're just going to take some time and we're going to break down something you may or may not have been hearing in the news, but about some of the changes to military pay. Now, if you've been in the military community for any length of time, you know that there is often a pay change around the first of the year. Sometimes it's very minimal. Sometimes it's a big leap. But there are some changes that come typically out of uh, some legislation in the fall that impacts us in the beginning of the next year. And so I'm going to go through some very simple things, not simple things. I'm going to make it very simple for you to understand some of the changes that are coming to military pay in the new year. Now, those of you who are part of our military community who are reserve, who are guard, who are veterans, who are retired, who are our civilian counterparts, these aren't going to impact your budget directly because we're not going to be addressing those changes. Some of those are those decisions are made a little bit differently. So today, in today's podcast, we're going to specifically be addressing those big things that go through in legislation that primarily impact our currently serving active duty members. However, there are some bits and pieces that are going to apply across the board. So I'll try to keep it brief. I'll try to keep it quick. But please know that this is by no means an all-inclusive list of everything you need to know about changes to pay. These are just the really big highlights, the things that you're going to see in the news, the things that you're going to see is that clickbait in you know headlines. Oh, this is what it says. That's what we're going to break down. Okay. Now, first thing you guys need to know, remember, if you haven't gone back and, and listened to that legislative series that we did, go back and listen from earlier in this year, we had a three-part legislative action of how does legislation impact the Department of Defense? How does it impact our budgets? How does it impact, you know, on the family level? How does it impact my household? How does it impact the big military budget? And sort of understanding how those pieces move kind of gives us an idea of where to look for changes, how to impact changes, and also what we can expect moving forward. So One of the biggest things that goes through every year is nicknamed the defense bill, and it's the National Defense Authorization Act. And it is essentially the governing piece of legislation that says how all of the things are going to be spent for the next year within the military and a few other agencies. Now, this bill does not approve making sure the money goes there. That goes through appropriations. That's a different bill. So they have to work together because you can put something in the defense bill saying, yep, we think that this should be paid for and this should be important. Well, if it doesn't pass the budget portion of the bill where Congress literally decides to fund it, then it doesn't make a whole lot of difference. You know, that'd be like someone saying like, yeah, I agree. I think that, you know, the family should have a Mercedes, but then, you know, not having a budget to pay for the Mercedes. Like, okay, cool. I'm glad you think there should be a Mercedes. Not sure who's going to pay for it, right? So that's a very, very simple example of 
what this sort of looks like and how that goes hand in hand with appropriations and with the budget. So again, this sort of determines what the budget should look like, what it should cover, but it does not approve the money actually being sent there. So typically, some of the things you'll hear about being held up in the defense bill are sometimes held up along partisan lines or between the two chambers of Congress, but often it's because it's not being approved. It's not making it through the budget side. So, you know, the defense side might say, hey, this thing is really important to increase or to decrease. And the budget side of Congress is saying, you know what, we're not so sure. And so they're not in agreement. So that can make it really difficult to get something passed and get it turned into law. So again, this defense bill just went through in the end of December. And there's some big things to know. Of course, it goes through every year. So it often gets earmarked for other special things. And it's a really not straightforward because nothing in Congress is straightforward, but sometimes it's a more streamlined way to get different things addressed at the high level. If you've been in the military community for any length of time, you know that there is a hierarchy of reporting a problem, right? You go to your boss and their boss and their boss and their boss, and it goes all the way up. Well, that can take time. And that's also dependent on whether or not each layer um, and each level of leadership thinks that it's important enough to pass on, right? So something that might be affecting, say, where I used to live, affecting a base in Alaska, really, really important. Commanders agree, Alaska commanders agree, you know, and it goes up from there but it might not make it to the high level, right? Because, oh, well, all of these other things also take importance. So one of the neat things about the defense bill is you can get some of these issues addressed in there and maybe get them addressed a little faster than if you relied on just the chain of command. And then it gets put into the defense bill and sort of not strong arms, but I wouldn't say strong arms the DOD, but really draws attention to and creates action to some of these issues that we hear about. A couple of years ago, when we were looking at privatized housing, having a lot of problems, some of that reform and some of those changes came through legislative action. The basic needs allowance to help military families who are struggling with food insecurity, which we'll talk about in a minute, that came through legislative action. So there's some ways that you can really look at some of these these big issues in military service members' lives and their families' lives and start getting that addressed from you know that big system level by getting it into the defense bill. So with that, it's very rarely passed on time. Uh, The fiscal year for the military starts October 1. This is now the end of December, and they've just sort of agreed in what should be in the budget. Interesting thing to know. The appropriation side has not approved it. So they've come to an agreement of what should be in the budget, and now they need an agreement to actually fund the thing that the budget agreed should be in there, right? So currently, Congress and the Department of Defense are still functioning on 2023 budget numbers. They are frozen there until the appropriations get approved. They can say, yep, we think there should be a Mercedes in the family. But if the budget doesn't say, yep, we're going to pay for that, it doesn't really go anywhere yet. So keep that in mind as we're talking about some of these things. Some of them will still happen. Some of them won't. But you need sort of both pieces. You need the, the plan to agree and also the budget to agree. Speaking of budgets, I want to pause for a quick moment to hear from today's episode sponsor, Armed Forces Bank. They are an amazing resource for military families, for our community, and they have a lot of products to offer for our military service members, especially when you're looking at a tight budget. A full-service military bank committed to serving those who served since 1907. Armed Forces Bank provides a vast array of affordable and easily accessible financial products to both active and retired military and civilian clients in all 50 states and across the world. When you're in the military, your needs are different, and your banking should be too. 
That's why, no matter where you are stationed in the world, Armed Forces Bank strives to make everything from banking solutions to financial advice personal, valuable, and convenient for you with numerous services, including online and mobile banking tools to help you bank on your schedule. Okay, everyone, welcome back. Now that we've done a quick intro to sort of what does the process look like for changing military pay, what are we going to you know, look at how does this happen? Where does it come from? You know, kind of a quick review, if you will. Now I want to talk about what's actually changing in 2024 for military families when we're looking at that budget. The first thing to note is the largest pay raise in 20 years. It's a 5.2% raise on that base pay. Now, again, if you've been in the military, you already know this. If you haven't, then here's a fun fact. Everything goes into the bank account, you know, say you're at your family bank account, it all looks the same. The number is the number. But when you break down that paycheck, when you actually look, it comes from different things. So there's um, a food allowance called the basic allowance for subsistence. There's a housing allowance, and then there's your base pay, and then any bonuses or incentives and that kind of thing, hazard pay, separation pay. So there's all these different things. The bottom dollar, you know, how it goes into your account, that's what you budget from, but it gets sort of tagged different ways. And that can really impact your family's overall finances based on how those different tags count in other parts of the government, which we'll address in just a minute. So for the bulk of your pay, that that sort of baseline of where it's starting, your base pay is a 5.2% raise. This is really significant. This is much needed. The military sector, it's been widely documented that it has not kept up with inflation, has not kept up with the civilian sector. So this is a really great step in the right direction, especially after last year's raise. This really gets military families closer to where they need to be to feel comfortable continuing to serve and continuing to provide for their families. With that, that food allowance I was talking about, that basic allowance for subsistence, that also went up, not quite as much as the base pay, but it did go up 1.7%. Now, for reference, that number is the same whether you are an officer no matter what officer rank and no matter what enlisted rank. Enlisted BAS is the enlisted BAS. An officer BAS is the officer BAS. It does not matter 01 or 07, E1 or E7, right? Or E9, right? That's going to be the same across the board. So getting that little bit of increase helps. But if you've looked around at the cost of food, you can see that they might not have increased a whole lot this year, that cost of food. But last year, in 2022, there was a 12% increase in groceries. Over the last five years, they've gone up almost 50%. So while getting that food allowance upped a little bit, it didn't get upped a whole lot. And it's also designed to only cover the service member. It is not designed to cover any dependents. So any spouses, children, adult dependents, anything like that. It is only designed to cover the food needs of the service member. So keep that in mind when you're looking at that and wondering, gosh, how are we supposed to budget our groceries off of this? You're not. You're only supposed to feed your service member with that number. Okay, so it did get increased a little bit, which is helpful. And then another thing to note. So we talked about base pay went up, that basic allowance for subsistence went up. Also, big increase in the housing allowance. It changes by zip code. So some places went down a little bit or didn't see a huge increase, but some places saw a much bigger increase. The average is about five and a half percent. So take a look. You know, you can go online, you can look at those projections, see what your numbers were, see what your numbers are going to be. And also, if you're getting ready to PCS, maybe you have those orders or, you know, you know, getting sort of an idea of where you're going to be heading, you can start looking at what those numbers look like. What can you be anticipating for that summer or that spring or wherever 
in that future move, what can you be expecting for that housing number? Those numbers were released. They did go up a little bit. So you can go in, put in the zip code, your rank, and you can see what you should be expecting for housing allowance. Remember, we've talked about this before. Housing allowance is designed to cover 95% of the cost of your housing. It is no longer funded by Congress to cover 100%. So don't think when you see that number, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to get something within this number. Ideally, that would be the, you know, the great scenario that it covers all of your needs. And you can certainly find that in many locations, but don't be surprised if you're in a location that that amount does not cover the totality of your bill. It's not designed to. Now, whether that's right or wrong is a whole nother podcast episode, but just rest assured that that number is not designed to cover everything that you need. So it might not, especially among our junior service members. So our junior officers and our junior enlisted, you know, if you're in those first five years of service, you might really be seeing a huge discrepancy between what you're getting to help you afford a home and what the homes actually look like. So just keep that in mind. But it did go up, which is really, really great news. Now, one of the things that did not change with basic allowance for housing, that BAH, there is something called the basic needs allowance. Again, that's the basic needs allowance. This went through last year in the defense bill, and it is designed to help the lowest income military families basically afford food to help combat food insecurity. However, it currently uses that basic allowance for housing in the calculations. So it says, all right, I'm going to look at how much money you have for food. Yep, that rent supplement that you get, that rent earmarked in your pay, we're going to count that as available for your total budget for your food as well. Well, remember, we just talked about BAH is not designed to cover the entirety of your house bill. So you have, you know, sort of your house bill and you have your BAH and you're adding into the house bill to cover that bill. But when you turn around and you're applying for things like WIC in some states or the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, which was previously called food stamps, or you're applying for basic needs allowance, that housing allowance counts against you. So the housing allowance doesn't cover the totality of your housing bill. However, it counts against you as being available for your food bill, right? So you can see where that can be troublesome. There have been multiple nonprofit organizations, multiple advocacy groups who have asked both through the NDAA and through the Pentagon to have that removed and say, hey, don't count the housing allowance against these people for their food. They're trying to get food assistance. Don't count this housing allowance. The housing allowance is already not covering their house bill. Don't count it against their food. Now, there's some that say, hey, the house was the housing allowance is never designed to cover that. You need to budget your money better. You should be able to afford food. So it's a really tricky line when you start looking into those things, but there was a push to get the housing allowance excluded from that basic needs allowance eligibility. It did not happen this year. So as of now, if you want to get the basic needs allowance, it's something you have to apply for through your branches finance office. It is designed to be for those who are at or below the 150% of the federal poverty level, and your housing allowance will count in there. Interestingly enough, The NDAA this year does have something in there that says if there's a demonstrated need, the service secretaries can, or even all the way up to the SecDef, um, Secretary of Defense, they can exclude it, right? So they're saying, hey, we're not going to make that determination at the congressional level, but you guys could take this out if you wanted to, if you saw a need for it. So it's a really interesting acknowledgement of the, the conversation. I wouldn't say the problem, but acknowledgement of that conversation while also you know, giving that autonomy back to the Department of Defense and saying, hey, 
we see that this might be beneficial. You guys can make that decision for yourselves. They've said that before and that hasn't happened. So we can see what happens as we move forward. But for now, that is where that particular allowance sits. And then the last thing also in this bill is authorized for the Secretary of Defense to make monthly bonuses for some of the junior enlisted career fields and helping them meet their needs for their families based on their location or their career field or other discrepancies. So there's that flexibility and that authorization in there saying, yep, we recognize that you can make that decision if needed. There's also extended recruitment and retention bonuses. So if that's something for your career field that you sometimes see, it's not for every career field. It's not for every rank. Typically, you're not going to see them in a lot of the career fields, but there was some extensions made to help recruit, you know, one, recruit new service members and two, retain the talent that is already in the service. And then the last thing I promise, the last thing that I'm going to update you on for pay is the family separation allowance. This is something that your service member will get if they are sent somewhere else for a long period of time and you are not allowed to go. What we call it in the Air Force is like a 365 is kind of what it's nicknamed. That means a year away that your family doesn't go to, right? So then you're going to get a family separation allowance. Typically, you'll see it for other deployments. I'm not sure on all of the TDYs. I know each branch is a little different in how they, you know, sort of call those departures and, and you know, maybe underway or being deployed or, or whatever. But for those long stints when you're away, there's a family separation allowance and that increased significantly. It went from $250 a month to $400 a month. And that allowance is designed to ease some of the burden on the family that's left behind. So maybe it's paying for a, a meal delivery service to make meals easier or paying for grocery delivery or paying for a housekeeper to help keep up you know, with some of the chores or paying for childcare. There's a lot of different ways that this could help families really ease some of that financial and mental burden of being separated for long periods of time. So the fact that that was increased significantly and hasn't been increased in quite a long time, it was a big jump and it was much needed. So that is a huge win. So again, we're going to recap all of the quick things. We're going to hit them really fast before we end today's episode. One, base pay is up 5.2%. Two, the food allowance went up just a little bit, one and a half percent. The housing allowance went up an average of 5.5%. Some places went up more, some places didn't go up, some places went down slightly, but those things primarily increased. The family separation allowance increased. The basic needs allowance still uses BAH, but the service secretaries can just decide to take that out if they want. And that is something you must apply for with your uh, financial offices within your branch. And then the last one is that the Secretary of Defense can authorize um, monthly bonuses for those junior enlisted members. So whew, that is all of the things. Those are the highlights, again, just related to military pay, primarily for our active duty service members. Now, if you really want some light reading, the National Defense Authorization Act was just sent to President Biden's desk to be signed into law. So everybody has finally agreed that should be signed into law. And it is, I think last year was 650 pages long. So, you know, if you want some leisurely uh, congressional reading, maybe if you're looking for something to help you fall asleep at night, that's a great place to start. But if not, there's lots of nonprofit organizations and military and veteran service organizations that will go through and pull out those highlights related to what their topics are. Housing reform, veteran care, the exceptional family member program, care food insecurity, all of these different sort of lanes of people fighting for the rights of military families and for their well-being. 
we'll sort of pull out those highlights. So you're welcome to do all of that reading on your own, or you can look to some of these organizations to pull out the highlights and let you know where the big changes are that you can really expect that might be impacting your family in the new year. Again, these are all slated to happen starting in January. So we typically see those changes in January. Thankfully, this time the bill passed before January. And so we can move forward with confidence knowing, yep, these things are going to be happening in a number of weeks at the start of the year. Now, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends. We appreciate the feedback and the comments that you share with us as we support our military community. Thank you so much for being a part of the Mill Housing Nation. We appreciate you. The Mill Housing Nation is where you will always have a community, no matter where you are stationed.